So welcome to our first um, podcast for the Lancaster School District. Our podcast name is School Buzz. Um, and what we're doing here is we're just having relevant conversations around educational topics. Uh, most people that are invited to the podcast are um, employees of the school district or we will have students come on and we'd like to have some parents come on and other community members. But this is our first run. So we're gonna give this a shot with um, some very special guests that we have here. We do want you to know that the ideas and opinions expressed in this podcast are the individual's opinions. It's not the district sanctioned um, official approved message, but this is just a platform to exchange ideas. So I've got three people here with me. I guess I should introduce myself. I'm Rebecca Cooksey. I'm the Assistant Superintendent of Educational Technology and Innovation. And the three people that are here as guests um, with us are Dr. Michelle Bauer. She's our superintendent. Um, Assistant Superintendent of Ed Services, Bart Hoffman, and Principal Lorraine Zapata of Joshua School. So um, we're gonna be talking about a couple of different topics today, but I'm gonna let them introduce themselves um, before we get started. So Dr. Bowers, let's start with you. Fantastic, well thank you very much. I'm very excited to be here and uh, really excited to be part of the launch for our District School Buzz podcast. I am the proud superintendent of Lancaster School District. This is my seventh year as superintendent, and I have been involved in education for more than 25 years. So I've seen a lot in that period of time, but I uh, am very excited to see some of the things that are happening in our community, and we'll be talking about that. So I look forward to sharing some of the exciting things that are happening in the district with you. All right, um, Bart Hoffman, tell us a little bit about yourself. All right, uh, I've been a, an educator in the Valley here for about 28 years, and this is my second year here in Lancaster, and my first podcast, so I'm really <laughs> excited to be part of the team today. And Lorraine? Um, I am the proud, proud principal of Joshua Elementary. Um, I've been in our district 28 years. 13 of those were was as a bilingual teacher. And I am too am excited about joining the podcast and taking part of school buzz. <laughs> <laughs> well, our topic today is leading change and how we help people adjust to change in our lives. But the fir first, we want to talk about the registration event that we had on March 13th. Um, we had every school in our district come and have a table and tell us and tell community members and parents that are interested about their school. So let's just talk a little bit about that and how you perceive that event um, that took place. It was wonderful. It was wonderful. I was so proud of the work that was done by everyone who organized it. And special shout out to Kelly Fountain, who is our director of early childhood education, as it turns out. But she took the lead in coordinating this event and pulling people together and the things that our schools were showcasing was just something to behold. We had a wonderful turnout, hundreds of parents, close to 500 students performing, and participation from across the district. From a principal perspective, it was wonderful to see all the different schools that were there. In particular, the, the passion and the persistence that is evident across our district. It is a culture change and a culture shift for all of us. We're a team and it's exciting to, it was exciting to see it. It was a really good opportunity for the schools not only to communicate the great things that they got going on, 
but for the different departments too to weigh in and share some of the things that we support and offer and so that parents were more aware of that. So everyone seemed to have handouts and other flyers and things to continue to share some information. It was great. Well, one thing I like that the direction of our district now is that there's schools of choice. So we have like um, a computer science immersion school and they got to showcase some of their things. We have VAPA schools, which is visual and performing arts schools. Mm -hmm. um, and they got to show off what was special about them. So parents have a choice that will match what their child's interest is or the talents. Um, and it's not just the same school, like when I went to school, it was just school. Right. Um, there's a lot more opportunities for choice out there for parents. And I just thought it was a nice showcase to, to show our, our community what we have. Yes. yes. It was interesting to hear how many people that commented about not knowing what was offered at the various schools uh, as they went around the room and saw the different things that and the different opportunities. So that was something that I was sitting back and, and listening to and, and very proud and excited to, to see happening because it served the purpose. We really, uh, it was a great opportunity for us to kind of tell our story and uh, share our story and let people know just how much good stuff is happening in Lancaster. Yeah, we want to advertise that for our community. That's right. <laughs> so our, our topic today is about leading change. And uh, we've had this conversation with leadership. Um, I tend to like change a lot. <laughs> and, and tend to drag people with me kicking and screaming. And I don't understand whether people are not comfortable with change, uh, which is why I'm in charge of innovation, because I happen to like that. Um, so. As we've seen different changes in education over the years, and m many of us have been teaching or, teaching or in education 20, 30 Plus years. Yeah, we're not going to say how many. <laughs> Stop counting. Well, what, what do you say is the most difficult change that you've seen or the most challenging change that you've seen in education during your tenure? The tough questions, the tough questions. I think it depends on the perspective because uh, for students versus educators versus families that the response might be slightly different. I think for educators seeing the difference in the accountability system, the difference in the requirements of what is expected, uh, the amount of work that is expected is can be overwhelming. It's a tremendous amount. And as well as wrapping your head around the whole child. So it's not just the ABCs and the reading, writing, and arithmetic anymore. What we find is that education and educators in general are being tasked with the responsibility of educating the whole child. So absolutely addressing social emotional needs, addressing academic needs, uh, addressing all sorts of just social development needs. So I think that that is definitely one of the biggest changes that educators have to wrap their heads around, and students and families as well. So when they come into the school, understanding what are the expectations, and what experiences am I going to have access to? What am I going to enjoy doing, and, and what skills will I have when I leave? So it, it is a different day and age. It's not that it's bad, it's just different. From a school perspective, mm -hmm. it is different. And um, one of the culture changes for us was really looking at the whole child 
and how are we meeting their needs from the very base level. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's in part, that's why we have breakfast after the bell, which we feed kids up until nine o'clock. Um, when they come to school, we have a clothes closet, we have a food closet in case they need food on the weekend. Mm -hmm. And that is a shift for all of us as we are looking at the whole child and looking at how do we meet their needs if they do come to school with trauma. Correct. And when you're working at a school that has high poverty, um, a large amount of foster kids and homeless kids, mm -hmm. the trauma that exhibits itself, um, you have to have a community response to it from district, from family, from school. And I think a, a challenge is for all of us to be on that same page. I'm very fortunate at Joshua in that we have two parts of that that are going really well. And we're working on our third part, which is our parent guardian piece, so that we are all focused on the whole child. And so I think you're right. I think it is that focus we can't let go of what the ultimate goal of education is, Correct. which is to educate our kids. Um, if we're not doing that, then we're not preparing them for the future. Mm -hmm. But you can't get there if you don't meet their base needs their of base hunger needs. and um, safety, their personal safety and how they feel safe at school. Correct. Removing some of the distractions so that they can focus right. on their education. Right. I definitely echo that too. The social emotional learning needs are seem to be, in my experience, the greatest change that we've seen locally uh, in terms of needs. But I think it's a national issue as well, based on the data and the research out there, that uh, students have those social-emotional learning needs across the country. And I think one of the factors that play into this is the, the way the digital platforms have come into the schools as well. Um, students have a lot more access to issues that are on social media and other times you could leave that behind at school now you have that social uh, piece right. out there in society as well. That invades the classroom because they've had that something going wrong at home or, or something on their phone that pops up and they right. see it. And you guys took this in a completely different direction than I thought it was going to go because I was thinking about adults and change uh -huh. and you took it to kids and change I guess because my focus has been on helping adults change mm -hmm. either to use technology or to use um, data mm -hmm. in their classroom and getting them comfortable with that and uh, you guys went to the how kids are changed but in response to the kid needs and the whole child as adults we have had to shift our focus from ABC one two three to oh my gosh We've got to teach this kid how to interact with another person. Or we have got to help them learn how to breathe when they've escalated. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, but that, when you're, when you're thinking about your teachers that are out there, we have not prepared them for, for what they need to be successful with a kid who is acting out or how to teach the social emotional piece. And so leading that change for second step uh, which is at our schools right now, and it is the social-emotional program that we use. You know immediately if a class is using it or not because the kids have those skills. And 
that's how we help our teachers is if they if they find the success that hey we can teach our kids the social emotional skills that'll allow them to get to academics but it has to start with our program and so, that's hard to get people to buy into a program right so to get them to change their mindset right. of, I'm going to teach somebody how to read but also remembering I've got to teach somebody how to express their emotions appropriately and how to get along with have friends that's part of teaching too so we're changing the mindset of the adults mm -hmm. in the system and I think one of the other challenges uh, is that we don't know what skills necessarily our kids will need to have to be successful when they exit high school so as they become adults what, what are going to be the, the careers that they need to be ready for? What are the areas of interest? What are the skills that they're going to need? We have found ourselves bringing in a number of devices, technology devices. Thank you, Mrs. Cooksey. <laughs> <laughs> we have found ourselves bringing in a number of technology uh, devices, whether that's computers, Chromebooks, laptops, iPads, uh, smart boards and the list goes on and on and on but we need we know that it's important that our students have exposure to this and actually become very literate in using technology very comfortable in using technology or they won't be able to compete in in a global society where so much is reliant on technology we also know that each child's the way they learn uh, what their interest is what is what might be getting in the way of their success it's going to be different from child to child so being able to not look at one size fits all across the board really moving forcing us to move away from that model or in way of thinking as educators is key because it is definitely not one size fits all whether it's their uh, academic growth or whether it's their social emotional growth or whether it's just their area of interest we know that we have to have different um, ways for kids to learn, different ways for them to engage in their own learning, and different things for them to explore and opportunities for them to discover their own interest. So that, that myth of the average. The uh, average. The average. Um, there was a great TED Talk on that if you've never heard of it. That's <laughs> really good about how we, we really need to construct education for each child, not just for you know an average kid, because there's no such thing as average. Well, I was going to say, just in the last eight years, eight to ten years, we've seen a change in standards. Mm -hmm. We've seen a change at the federal level from No Child Left Behind to Every mm -hmm. Student Succeeds Act, mm -hmm. and the accountability that's come with that. And so that's a big adjustment for staff at the school level and the district level to adjust to as well. And I would agree with you because when I started teaching, we didn't have standards. We had a textbook, mm -hmm. and they said, "Here." And if you didn't like that textbook, you could kind of invent your own. And and teachers really did, do not have that kind of freedom anymore. There there are very specific standards that have to be taught in every single subject um, that they really have to be thinking about as they're planning their lessons. So Absolutely. it's completely mm -hmm. changed. Um, so what strategies do you use to help people or students adjust to change? Because change is not, it's not <laughs> going away, and it's not new to the 20th century. It's, you know, I just recently listened to my grandmother, actually great-grandmother, talk about when the trains came to her 
city and um, how, imagining that kind of change that she had to live through. So change is not new, no. but how do we get people to accept it and roll with it and, and learn? Yeah, I hate change. <laughs> I do, but I, my life has been defined by change because in education it's never been consistent. You know, just when you're comfortable, something new like standards or a thing comes into play. I think when we can help our, our folks reconnect to the why and that purpose, their vision of the school and where they wish to be, and then each person getting some ownership and making that change. So when we own a piece of that and the, the pace can help maybe dictate the pace a little better for their speed of how they want that change, it helps give better ownership to accepting and then implementing a change. I think the relational capacity piece has helped our change um, at Joshua in particular. Um, and you're right, it's the ownership, but the ability for adult to adult, no matter what your category is on campus, if we're there to serve kids and you have, you all have the same vision, you all have the same why, pretty soon every single person starts to pitch in and it changes and something shifts and all of a sudden, it's doable. We can do this. Mm -hmm. In spite of everything that's being hurled at you, that everything's coming on. I mean, there's tests due, there's assessments, there's staff meetings, there's lesson planning, you name it, it's out there. Mm -hmm. And so, but together, we're all stronger. Mm -hmm. And I think the relational capacity for us is there's strength in numbers. There is a strength if you've got a grade level that's working together. They do amazing things, and it's easier because all of them have engaged in the process. So I think that's a, a really important shift for us has been that. Change has, as <coughs> Rebecca said, has changed. It's been around for a while. It's not anything new, and we know it's never going to go away. I think what is probably one of the most challenging components of change today is the pace and the rate at which it is occurring because there's so much so fast. So as we look at our system and how we help folks navigate change, one of the things that we're trying to do, obviously the why is communicate, communicate, and over-communicate, understanding why we're doing this and um, why it's important and how it's going to help us reach our ultimate goal. And then absolutely the relational capacity mm -hmm. so that people are open to receiving this information and engaging in the conversation and the work along with us and, and moving that. And then to be honest, I think we have to take the time to identify the high leverage actions mm -hmm. because we can't, it is happening so fast and there is so much happening that we cannot do everything well. So we have to identify the most high leverage actions and then focus on doing those actions extremely well. And when we can look at it through that lens, we can ensure that our students do have access to options and excellence, uh, which is something that, that is our vision, that is our goal, our overarching goal. And to be able to ensure that we're doing that and going deep and being successful as opposed to trying to do a little bit of everything and not doing anything well, uh, I think that we have really uh, worked hard, especially recently, to pull in the reins and identify those high leverage things and focus on the most important
pieces that we can. Yeah, I really like what you said, Lorraine, about working as a team mm -hmm. to get things done and, and making sure that you know when we work together, we get a lot more done. Yeah. And I was thinking about what you were saying, Dr. Bowers, about um, we look at the things with the most high leverage and thinking about strategically who's good at different things. So right. you may be yes. good at te te technology programs and you may be good at lo looking at the data and you may be good at lesson planning. How can we use all of those strengths together to get the changes that we, we know that we have to do, mm -hmm. um, but making sure that we're tapping on the strengths of the individuals because not everybody's good at everything. No. And um, just kind of acknowledging that, not expecting everybody to be an expert in right. everything and um, using their strengths and their, their gifts. Mm -hmm. So in the next 10 years, <laughs> what do you see as some of the changes in education? Because my mother is not very happy that we're not teaching handwriting anymore. She's just appalled that my children can't read handwriting. Um, she'll write them notes in handwriting, and we have to read them to them. Um, and they're adults, so <laughs> it's not like we're, it's, this just happened. But, you know, there's so many things to learn now in education that some things have to fall off the plate. And handwriting has been one of those things that the older generation is not so happy about. But what changes do you think about in the next 10, 20 years that you think might be coming down the pike for us? I think Dr. Bowers actually talked about that at the beginning of, of this session. She said, we're preparing kids for jobs that don't exist. Um, we don't know what skill set our kids are going to need. So what we have to ensure is that we have great thinkers, great readers, and great writers so that they can struggle with whatever task they're given. And I think for us to make sure that we are really providing a stellar education that they have those skills. And 10 years, I don't know. I don't know what jobs are gonna be out there because our world is smaller and it is shrinking. Mm -hmm. We have to make sure that they're ready so we can retire, mm -hmm. right? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we have to make sure that they're ready. I agree with everything that you said, Lorraine. It is, it's so difficult to anticipate what it's going to look like 10 years from now, especially as it pertains to education. There are certain things that we would guess are not going to go away. I don't see technology going away. I see the reliance on technology and the integration of technology in education and the role that it plays only becoming more and more prevalent and uh, greater and greater at every level. So while I don't know what it's going to look like 10 years from now, I would bet all my money on the fact that it will still be around and, and a very big piece of what we do and how we do it. I would suspect that 10 years from now, there's going to be more diversity in programs and options for students to access specialized programs and skills and um, educational opportunities and learning experiences that lend themselves more readily to their area of interest. So allowing for more differentiated uh, learning experience that's not necessarily tied to the brick and mortar building, but the learning experience that they want and need to engage in. That's going to kind of prepare them for that, to be that deep thinker and, and to acquire those skills. Because acquiring skills in isolation without connecting it to an interest that's probably not going to be their best learning mode. And when we think about what they have access to, everything is quick, quick, quick. The influence, the societal influence, the television, media influence, 
Everything is about uh, what is attractive to a very short attention span. Mm -hmm. So I think we're going to continue to see things moving quick, quick, quick as it pertains to getting their attention, how we educate them, how we engage them. And I also wonder about how they're going to interact with one another yes. when they're not used to having those conversations with one another because they're so engaged with technology. I'm wondering if that might not be something else in the future we're going to have to deal with as well. Or a backlash. Or a backlash <laughs> to that, right? <laughs> or a backlash to that. Yeah. Well, I think if you were to ask researchers, they'd say education in the classroom hasn't changed in the way it's structured right. since yeah. the beginning. Right. It's still structured. <laughs> and so in the future, it'll still be the same. It'll, but I, I think technology is changing that. I think mm -hmm. it's forcing it to change. And um, that whole blended learning, more personalized learning paths, will be more prevalent where a student can be on their own learning path at more of their own pace, using the technology, connecting more globally. And I just think that will be the game changer that will uh, revolutionize the way we see it. But technology will always just be that tool. We're gonna still always need great teachers who can help our students. Right, and I would agree with you. I think technology is a huge piece in how we will um, connect kids and personalize their education, but we're never going to get away from a teacher being needed to be oh, there no. and have that connection with kids. No. And, and like you said, Lorraine, at the beginning, that, that whole child, because mm -hmm. it's not just about learning how to read. It's about learning how to get along. It's how interpersonal skills. It's about you know managing your anger or frustrations, trying again and having <coughs> some perseverance. Um, so the teacher will never be out of that equation, exactly. but that personalization, I would agree, is someplace what we're going to. And I think um, not a standardized school, at least I'm thinking in the future, not from an eight to three, but learning kind of when it feels right for you. So maybe you're not coming to a physical location for a whole day. Maybe mm -hmm. you're coming for part of the day and then doing some of it online. Mm -hmm. So we'll see, because there's we'll a see. lot of interesting things coming. I, I would just like to add my wish okay. and hope. <laughs> is that as we uh, progress through this age of technology and, and we see all of this stimuli coming in, that we as adults, whether it appear, as parents or educators, uh, encourage balance yes. uh, of all of these things so that students are encouraged, that individuals are encouraged to collaborate, encouraged to talk, encouraged to work together, uh, understand how to engage in conversations uh, and not just in front of, of some sort of device or television uh, because there has to be balance and I think that that is one of the when you you mentioned you said backlash and I think that that is one of the, the areas that we have a backlash is that there's not enough balance right now and we're seeing the effects of that because the influence from what kids see on the media and the video games, uh, too much time on the computer, as opposed to individual time talking, reading together, engaging in conversation, working as part of a collaborative team. Those are the, the skills that you will always need as a student, successful student, or as an adult. And to think that we're not getting enough opportunity or giving our students enough opportunity to engage in that uh, 
some of which can happen at in the school setting. A lot of it needs to happen at home and in the community. So I hope that together we can work to find a better balance for that. So looking at those four C's, the communication, collaboration, creativity, and critical thinking. Absolutely. Building those skills, yep. not just building coding skills. Exactly. I mean, I like coding, but, um, <laughs> but not just, yes. yeah, yeah, another C word. Um, um, not just building technical skills, but the inter interpersonal skills also. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Well, thank you for being on the podcast, our first initial one. Uh, we do want to give a shout out to George's Cleaners. Yes. Um, very recently, we had a coat drive for kids that needed coats. Um, that was organized by our CSCA organization, so that's California School Employee Association. Classified. Classified, Classified School Employees okay, so Association. Okay, close. Um, and <laughs> close. these are like our, our custodians, our, our secretaries, our librarians, librarians, our child nutrition folks. So we have supervision aides, mm -hmm. we have uh, recreation leaders, campus supervisors. We have a tremendous number of wonderful support staff uh, that make what happens, the miracles that happen day to day in our schools happen. Uh, we couldn't do that without all of our staff, so whether it's teachers, our classified members, our administrators uh, at Lancaster, I will just say for Michelle <laughs> here, uh, because it's my opinion, I am very blessed to work with such a wonderful team of people that are so dedicated and committed to the whole child and to doing what's right and to being part of improving our community, our school community, and our community as a whole. Right, and this organization got together and mm -hmm. volunteered their time. They, they collected did. jackets. Um, but George's Cleaner is um, uh, a place that they took jackets that needed to be cleaned, and yes. they cleaned them for us for free. I know. For free. Um, so we just want to appreciate them and send them some good vibes because they did some great things for our kids, and we just really appreciate that. Yes. Um, so where can you find this podcast? Uh, it will be on iTunes uh, under um, School Buzz, Lancaster School District. You'll be able to find it there. Our next episode will be Summer of Exploration. We'll be talking about our summer programs, mm -hmm. um, things that will be offered during the summer. And um, if you're not able to come, things that you can do to prevent that summer slide. So we'll be talking about that. Um, and in closing, uh, the song that's being performed uh, are by students from Sierra Elementary School under the direction of Kelly Stock. They're playing a song called Simple Gifts, and I hope you enjoy it.